With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo, brought to you by Thin Man Brewery. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor, today we're going to review some of our preseason predictions episodes that we had to start off season four of Straight Up Sabres. But before we get to that, we do have a little bit of Sabres news that we can get to. The first member of the 2023 draft class has signed as the Sabres have signed second round pick Anton Wahlberg to a three-year entry-level contract. This news was announced on Friday. The Sabres, again, selected Wahlberg in the second round this year. He's a forward prospect. He was taken with the 39th overall pick, and he was a guy that this front office was actually looking at to potentially move up until the end of the first round, similar to what they were trying to do last year with Yuri Kulik. And in the same situation or in the same scenario as Kulik, the Sabres weren't able to move up, but they didn't have to as they were still able to get their guy there. So Wahlberg most likely is going to be playing in Sweden next year for Malmo. There's a ch- he has the option to be able to come to Rochester and play next year, but there is a I don't want to call it a logjam, but there's a lot of guys in Rochester next year who are going to be on the lo- who are going to be on the lookout for. Much more likely that he's going to play next year in the SHL and then after that he's going to come over and play in the 24-25 season. So Taylor, I know Wahlberg wasn't a guy that we really talked much about leading up to the draft. Um, you know, we really were focusing more so on the guys at that 13th overall pick, but Wahlberg, I think was a, was an interesting pick for the Sabres there adding some size to the forward group. Obviously we know we have a lot of smaller skilled players taking Zach Benson with a 13th overall pick. So Wahlberg gives a a bit of a variety to the mix now where you have a six foot three, 192 pound forward who has the ability to play both center and wing. We'll see what he ends up playing when he makes his way over to North America, but In addition to that news and just announcing that, we did want to talk a little bit about, to open up today's episode, on what the Ford Group in Rochester is going to look like next season. Because there are some really, really interesting young pieces that are going to be on that Amherst team next year. And so uh, in addition to some of the depth signing that the, that the team have made, uh, in addition to some of the guys who are going to be returning this year, uh, you know, who are still considered prospects, but are pretty close to graduating guy like Brett Murray, for example, who's really just become a, a good AHL forward for you. There is a wealth of young talent on this team that we're going to be able to look out for among the forward group next year. So just some names that I think are going to be probably on the top of most Sabres fans' minds as we're watching the Amherst next year. Obviously, it starts off with a pair of first-rounders and Yuri Kulik and Isaac Rosine. They both had exceptional years last year for the Amherst. 
very well could make the Sabres roster or are capable of making the Sabres roster. But we know that uh, with the Sabres pretty much bringing back the exact same forward group as last year, that there's really not going to be a lot of room there. It remains to be seen what happens with Victor Olofsson. So there is a possibility that if either Kulik or Rosine are able to really wow and impress at camp, that they can make the opening night roster. But in addition to those guys who are expecting to be on the Amherst, you have Tyson Kozak, you have Victor Nuchev, who's going to be making his AHL debut this year. You have Oliver Nadeau. Alexander Kisikov and Philip Cedarquist. So a really good group there. And that's also in addition to obviously Ryan Johnson signing on the back end there. But Taylor, we're looking at probably another year of the Amherst being a very competitive team, a very young team and a very skilled high flying team out there. So I'm curious for what your thoughts are on this forward group and how you're feeling about the state of the Amherst right now compared to years past. Well, compared to like five years ago, fantastic. Uh, this is it's really exciting. It's a good problem to have that you have all these guys that you're trying to get minutes for at the same time. And the Sabres specifically now, I think, if Kulik and Savoy are both promoted next year, we'll have quite a few guys who were in, in this doesn't include like Rosen or whoever else is down there, but a few guys who are in the range of like maybe this guy could be an NHL or maybe not, but it's interesting at the moment. Yeah. And those guys come from all different rounds now, which is it's good to see. Like it's not that long ago that the Sabres are drafting every second round pick they had was useless. It wasn't even good in the AHL. Uh, so it's, it's really encouraging that they have so many guys now that are potentially good. And that's also, it's not just good because some of them will work out and be Sabres. It's good because those are great, tra- great trade ships. Absolutely. Uh, over the next couple of years, that'll be, that's great as well. But yeah, like I, I, they had a fun run this year to get to the conference finals. It seemed, I'm not an AHL expert, but it seems like they should be that level of good team again next year. And they have, I believe, Tokarski and Hauser in Rochester. Yep. Again now. So that's, you know, that, that, that's solid. Both those guys. Like Tokarski was solid even in the NHL a couple of years ago. <laughs> Weirdly, Hauser was too. But yeah, that's that seems like a good AHL pairing to have. And yeah, in, in generally, it's a really cool thing. And it's, it's like you said, I don't, he probably will be in the SHL this year, Wahlberg. Uh, but hey, Next year, replenish whatever depth they're losing. Like maybe Rosen gets promoted to the NHL in 24. Who knows? Kozak. Or traded potentially. Yeah, something like that. So good to always have guys moving in and out. I mean, that's yeah. that's the reality. Like you look at a successful franchise like Tampa Bay. They were good. 2015 was eight years ago when they made the cup the first time. Totally different team, basically. I mean, you got, you got they had Stamkos drafted in 08. He gets there later joined by like the Kucherov, which was he was the star of basically the the triplets line they called it back then. And then after that, oh, now they have Braden Point. Uh, oh, now they have Ross Colton. Not anymore, but yeah. Uh like they it's just always good to have guys coming up through your system. And the Sabres are building a a whole franchise from Buffalo all the way down to their new ECHL affiliates. Uh which I'm forgetting where that is right now. Jacksonville, right? <laughs> That's right, Jacksonville. Uh, coached by Doug Marone, honestly. Weird. Uh, <laughs> Doug Marone is the coach and also assistant manager at Hardee's. So good for him. Always good to be working. It's like a Ted Lasso thing where he's he's switching sports now. Yeah. He made a, a major downgrade going from the NFL yeah. to the ECHL. Yeah, but, you know, he gets to stay in a, a town that's very appropriate for him. But anyway, True. let's go – Jacksonville ECHL team. But what I was really saying is the Sabres entire franchise, you know, from their scouting, ideally their pro level scouting Adams, the really building there is a cohesive uh, vision, which is good. Hey, we'll see if it works or not. Still jury's still out on that, but at least it's a vision that makes sense. 
It definitely does. And I think an additional component within that, and it kind of ties into Tampa, I think a little bit. And and some of these teams who have really, you know, bustling prospect groups is the fact that in addition to obviously having the the options there of guys and, and, you know, again, as we're talking about trade chips, it's kind of like feeds into it, but the competition I think is, is pretty big too. Like for a lot of teams, a lot of competitive teams, you know, if they're not picking in the first round very often, uh, they maybe have like one or two pieces coming up through the ranks that the entire fan base and the organization is kind of looking to, to be like, all right, like we're really banking on this piece working out or that piece. And obviously when it comes to evaluating prospects and prospect development, a lot of times it can, it can be a crapshoot. Like there is a method to the madness and there are teams who do it better than others, but there's a lot of uh, unpredictability when it comes to not high-end picks, as we know, something we've talked about a lot. And so in Rochester, I mean, right there, that's like almost, that's three lines worth, or almost three lines worth, I should say, of of names that we just dropped out. I mean, that's, that's seven or eight guys right there in that forward group that you're going to be looking at as like, okay, these are young pieces that, yeah, maybe they're not at the level of a Rosine or a, a, a Kulik, but they have a legitimate shot at being an NHL player. And so having that internal competition there, I think is going to be really good because it's going to push those guys to really see who can separate themselves. I mean, you know, I, I think when you look at like a, a Nuchev or a Kisikov or a Nadu, you know, like the likelihood of those guys making the NHL, even though they all have different skill sets and are all their own players, the likelihood of each of them making it is probably similar from player to player. Like, it, you know, maybe a couple of them will hit. And that's typically just kind of how it works for, for guys like that and who are drafted in those kind of like, you know, second, third, fourth rounds, whatever. Um, but I just yeah, I, I think having that internal competition is is going to be really, really key to again, making all of these guys better and improving their development tracks. But I think on top of that too, and this could just be pure speculation, but it kind of feels like in a way it would increase the trade value too. being like, all right, well, like we know these guys in Buffalo, like in Rochester, you know, like the pieces there are all really good and they're productive and they're pushing each other. And so, you know, if these guys are being productive because of each other and because of that internal competition, you know, that's going to increase their value on the trade market as well. And if Rochester has that reputation of having a bunch of these good young players, you know, that's, that's going to stick with people. And again, ultimately the fact of the matter is, is that there are, there is so much good talent here that not all of these guys are going to be able to be Sabres. Like even if they all are NHL players in some magical world where, you know, a hundred percent of these guys are hitting who are going to be on Rochester this year, who've been drafted within the past three seasons, there's just no way that they can. And so they're going to have to get moved one way or another. And so I, yeah, I mean, if, if Rochester is going to be good again, you know, being a part of a winning organization, being a part of an organization that has a lot of, like we're saying that, that internal competition and seeing who's going to separate themselves from the pack. I think it just, it's going to serve to benefit this, this Sabres front office when it comes to having flexibility for trading these guys for more win now pieces. So I'm, I'm very excited about it, you know, and that's also not to say too, you know, Wahlberg coming over next year, there's also a high likelihood that Noah Ostland is going to be here next year. And I think in the next one to two years, we're going to see Prokhor Poltapov coming over and he's a whole other piece. That's like, okay, this guy has a shot at really being an NHL player here. So there's just a, a lot of excitement right now within this Sabres group, because there's so much talent at the top, but the depth pieces are as intriguing of pieces as I think we've really seen this Sabres team have in the past 15 plus years.
And I'm really happy, most of all, for the Amherst Weirdos and the city of Rochester. They deserve a winning team. It's been too long. Agreed. Great stuff. Absolutely. All right, so do we want to do the ads and then go to the second part? Let's do it. All right. Folks, you know our sponsor, DraftKings. DraftKings, new customers can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use promo code THPN for the Hockey Podcast Network. Bet just $5 to score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050. Visit Gambling Helpline MA.org. In York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700 on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. In West Virginia, gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. All games regulated by the West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly in partnership with Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races in Connecticut. Helpline is available for problem gambling at 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. 21 and over in most eligible states, but age will vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. One boost per eligible game. Opt-in required. Max bet $50. 10-plus leg requirement for 100% boost eligibility wagering and deposit restrictions apply and our second sponsor thin man brewery well like we mentioned on monday or i believe it was thursday's episode they got some new beers out so let me tell you about them the minky lizzie uh that is a collaboration with daca beer garden in washington dc it's a it's a variety of minky boodle it's a raspberry sour peach flavored peach flavored raspberry sour and it's seven percent so you know Maybe take it easy on them. Have just one four pack, or have two. Don't let me tell you how to do. I'm just a, I'm just a guy on a podcast. Well, anyway, it's also not just uh, the benefits include not just getting you drunk and tasting great. It also the money goes to Insight Ukraine, the Ukrainian human rights organization that supports the LGBTQ plus community. So. And let me uh, let me auto correct real quick. Let me self correct real quick. There are no four packs of Minky Lizzie. It's a keg at Chandler. So, at the Chandler location, go get uh, you know your Minky Lizzie drink inside. I'd recommend doing it. Let me say Thursday night. That's gonna be my rec- my recommendation because gear weekend started a little bit early. Barbie Oppenheimer weekend. Go to Thin Man. Get that started early. And I should also mention their collaboration with Von Trapp. So that's also available at Chandler. That is the Northeast Light American Lager. And that one's only 4.2% ABV, so you can have 20 of them. So check that out. Von Trapp, as we mentioned before, Vermont Brewery. Vermont's known for its breweries. Brendan, do you have anything else you want to say about Thin Man? We love Thin Man, folks, don't we? We got to just, yeah, we're still in the process right now of finalizing our first trivia date. At Thin Man Chandler, so once we're able to do that, we'll, of course, announce that. But we're looking forward to moving our trivia nights over there. So it's going to be a really fun time. It will be coming in July. I, I want to say pretty – oh, my God, it's already the middle of the month now. Jesus. All right, maybe more likely it's going to be in August, actually. So <laughs> I shouldn't say that. Yeah, it, it will 100% – we will have 
a trivia night in August. It's going to be fun. So make sure you're keeping your eyes peeled for it. Also very likely that we're going to be moving them off of Mondays too. So that'll be nice. We're going to switch it up and I think do another, another day of the week, maybe a Wednesday or a Thursday potentially. So we'll keep everybody posted on that, but we're very much looking forward to it. And yeah, make sure you're heading over to Chandler, checking it out, getting some food at Tapo, getting some nice drinks, like the ones that Taylor was mentioning there. Some great non-alcoholic options as well. Great times, better ingredients, better pizza, Thin Man Brewery. All right, folks. So we're not going to get copyright infringement for that, right? Papa John uh, has uh, actually assured me no. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You guys are good friends, right? That's right. Yeah, he A called lot me of similar other night, like political said, views, and you also just house full pizzas. He said, Taylor, you're not going to believe this. I it's forty eight tempo pizzas in eleven hours. <laughs> And I said, what the hell is going on with your voice? It sounds like you chopped and screwed it. Also, why are you so sweaty? <laughs> He's just pouring sweat. And I was like, man, you're like a middle-aged man. You can't be eating all those pizzas. But mm. Mm. And then oh. he just said the day of reckoning is coming. And then left. <laughs> My God. Well, speaking of embarrassing ourselves, do we want to talk about our, our preseason predictions? Because you said you went back and, and checked some of them out. Is that correct? Yeah. I'll tell you this. Before you get to it, we're not going to revisit who I said was going to be my uh, big brain Vesna winner this season. All right. We're not going to talk about that. I don't remember who it was. Good. So I'm intrigued. Definitely was not a goalie from the Vancouver Canucks. Definitely. Oh, okay. Mine was a goalie from the Islanders. So much more likely better chance. Yeah. I think he was second place, maybe third yeah. place. Anyway. So folks, we're going to do multiple of these. Cause we actually did way more trivia episodes that I, or not trivia, way more prediction episodes than I remembered. So here's the first batch of predictions better than I think uh, I thought going in. A lot of these are actually pretty good. And they're from both of us. So we're going to start with is when we did our five predictions for the Sabres. Uh, number one, I'll go first. I said, okay. and I have yours too, Brendan. Uh, I said the Sabres would go 42, 33, and 7 and have 296 goals and give up 300. Nailed it. Wow. (laughs) Unbelievable. Yeah. All right. Be serious, though. My first one uh, is actually incorrect. I said that there would, by the end of the regular season, Victor Olofsson or Casey Middlestat would be traded. Did not happen. Uh, Well, we do at least have more clarity on that. But no, the trade itself didn't happen. At that time, I thought it was one or both of them. Uh, now it's pretty clear it's Olofsson and Middlestat, especially in the second half of the year, really was really impressive. And finally, for more than like 10 games at a time, looked like the guy he was drafted to be. Olofsson was awesome in like the middle third of the season, and then he just didn't score again. So that's it. That's all my goals. I'm doing in December and January this year to take a nice uh, – smooth break into the spring. It's like uh, going into the weekend when you're like, uh, I don't really feel like working anymore. It's, it's Friday at 2 p.m. And then, you know, you take a little little time off without taking time off. That's of basically course. what Olsen ended his you season. Were just, you were just a year early on this prediction. That's all. Yeah, probably. Or maybe just a couple months early. But yeah. Uh, so, Brandon, your first prediction. Jack Quinn, 20 goals. Well... Pretty He's close, right? Happen. We were we were right there. I mean, I think he had what eighteen. Let me double check right now. He had no. He had fourteen. I want to say, yeah, he had fourteen in seventy five games. Okay, well, it looked for a little while like you might be right on there. Mm-hmm. I honestly, I 
I thought like, oh, maybe Jack Quinn did get 20, but not quite. I think he's definitely going to be looking at 20, 25 next year. Hope, fingers crossed. But Two hopefully. of the games that he was sad, he was supposed to get hat tricks. So don't let the mainstream media tell you differently. I was going to be right <laughs> about that prediction. Yeah, he's kind of the opposite of Olofsson because the middle third, he kind of dipped. And then end of the season, I thought he finished strong. And I would say even better than 20 goals is how he really looked like a good 200-foot player. I was about to say the same thing. That was way more important to me at that point. Obviously, some goals down the stretch would have been nice. I think he ended the season, I think he went a handful of games, uh, at least five at the end of the season here without scoring. Oh, yeah, he had a... Oof, he had a rough end there. Yeah, he went his last 10 games without scoring. But again, that is, you know, that shouldn't take away from the fact that he really did develop a solid 200-foot game looking good in all three phases. I mean, his transition game was looking better as the season went on. I know we talked a bit about the fact that he really developed a little bit of a a chip on his shoulder too. Like he was playing a a lot more aggressive than he was at the start of the year, a lot less timid on the ice, wasn't afraid to get into some of the rough areas a little bit more. And so that was great to see, but man, Jack, we could have, we could have had that man. If only. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was, it was good enough. Yeah. My second prediction, UPL gets double digit starts. And folks, he did. I believe he actually started the most games, if I'm not mistaken, of the three goalies. Uh, and I talked about the reason why on the podcast I just listened back to. And it seemed to me like, oh, Craig Anderson will get hurt or Craig Anderson will be bad. And that's why he'll come in. No, Eric Comrie got hurt, which is how he got up here. Yeah. And then Eric Comrie was bad. So, And then UPL was bad too. So Anderson wasn't all that great. Not all a right. great year goaltending was. So... They, I, I did not predict that they were going to have a weird goalie triumvirate like they did. Uh, I, I don't know what to say about that, but yeah. <laughs> he definitely did play more than ten games. So how about that? And uh-huh. I didn't put it as like a good thing. I wouldn't say in the episode. But anyway, no. let's get to your second prediction. Levi Coolidge and Savoy will all play at least one game. All right, one for three. Yeah, I would have thought Coolidge would have. Savoy, not your fault because his season went longer than the Saber season. Yeah, because Winnipeg went so far in the playoffs in the W. Kulik, I don't know. I thought deserved he, it. Yeah, he, he probably could have got a look at some point, but Rochester was really gearing up for a playoff run. So, yep. I guess I understand it. In spirit, you're not really wrong about either of those guys. And Levi, that was the one I was surprised by. Levi was the one I was like, I don't know. Oh, yeah. And he did. He played seven games. All right, we'll take it. Great stuff. Our third predictions are both about Dylan Cousins. Okay. I think these were good ones, probably for They're both, both right. And we honestly, we both underestimated him. Oh, cool. Because we both said he was going to take a leap. I said to 20 goals. You said to 50 points. Damn. He blew way that more out than of water. That. Blew that away. Blew that away, which we liked in his first two seasons, but he wasn't really all that productive in those seasons. Yeah. And this season, playing with Quinn and Paterka, playing more power play time under his new contract, looked great. What do you have? 30 goals, 70 points, 31 goals, 37 assists, 68 points in 81 games. So he was right there. So that's good season by Dylan. That's Great season. Really man. awesome. Blew away our expectations. Uh, Man. And this second one, your fourth one, sorry, this fourth one prediction wise one is, you know what? They're just both uh, 
we thought something and we were right, but it's in hindsight, it's like we were so right. Okay. Mine's for a good reason. Yours is for a bad reason. Oh, lovely. So I was right. Darlene, 60 points. Darlene had more than 60 points. It felt like Darlene had 60 points in uh, October last year. Yeah. He was almost a point of game player. I'm looking up right now what his exact number was. 73 in 78 yep. games. Awesome. It's the best Sabre season since Phil Housley. And Phil Housley's last season as a Sabre at 81. And maybe Darlene does that next year. As a defenseman, right? Yeah. Yes. Best, best point season as the Sabres defenseman since Phil Housley. Yeah. Because he actually was... Second on the team points to our good friend Tage, who did not make these predictions, by the way. He was not in any of our predictions. Wild. Uh, you said Eric Comrie will have lower than a 9-10 save percentage. Good call, Brendan. Wow. Great. <laughs> that one is a funny one to listen to us talk to because I was like, I said a 9-07 from Eric Comrie would be fine. And you're like, yeah, right in that area. That'd be great. Or whatever. We both were like, yeah, that'd be good if he could just be average. And buddy, Eric Comrie, 19 games played. 8.86. We do not love it, folks. Off. So that's tough, but also correct. So, you know, you got to right. pat yourself on the back. <laughs> Being a nice guy I, that you are. I hope that got picked up. Yeah, he's doing a little padding. So, yeah, that's – it was a funny listen because I, I was thinking now, like, if they, if Air Comrie was a 9.07, they would have been in the second round of the playoffs. Yeah. Wow. Crazy. One more each? We do on this one. I we were both wrong, yeah. and this is the opposite though. Uh, mine was wrong for a, a tiny bad reason, not a terrible bad reason, and yours was wrong for a good reason. I said Owen Power was going to win the Calder. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I had some reasoning that made sense. I also said Barrett Jackman did it. How hard can it be? <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't think we'll be saying in twenty years about the actual Calder winner Berniers. But Power did finish second, so yeah, not that bad. You said the Sabres would be picking top 10. Wow. But maybe what you meant in spirit Close. was they're taking a – they're going to take a guy who is worthy of going in the top 10. Exactly. Thanks for clearing that up. No, I remember these episodes because my whole thing with this year was like they could realistically be better than last year and take a step but given some of the teams around them who were making like band-aid type of moves where it's like, yeah, maybe you'll be better than us this year, but in the long term or in even like two years from now, that's not going to be the case. Maybe they'll be ahead. So you could in theory pick in the top 10 while still having an improvement off of last year. That's exactly what you said. Yeah. And obviously I'm very happy that that wasn't the case. I mean, for it to go down to, the last day of the season, pretty much like the last game of the season and only missing the playoffs by, by a win, you know, that's, you can't ask for more than that. When you think back to how we were really approaching this season, um, getting that close to being in the playoffs. And I think more than anything else that, you know, we've been talking two, three years now, probably like two and a half that 23, 24 is the year. And our mindset going into this year was making the playoffs would be nice, but this year needs to be the real precursor to that step, to getting over the hump, to making the playoffs and breaking the drought. It was unrealistic, probably given the question marks and net for anybody to think that the Sabres were going to be a playoff team this year. And you and I both were in that camp. I remember also we were saying that we were expecting the Sabres to have a 
2021-2022 Winnipeg type of season where you're maybe a few games over 500. Um, you know, I think my like record prediction for them was like, I want to say I said like four, like uh, 40, 38 and four or something like that. I don't know. Um, but just, just being around there, like being a little bit over 500 and the Sabres again, exceeded that as well. And so everything that we could have hoped for, I guess, in terms of all the best case scenario things really ended up working out like this year was a huge precursor. You know, we had said between Olafson and, and Middlestat, that was a huge talking point for us last summer. It was one of those two needs to separate themselves to prove that they can stick around. And if neither of them do, then they're both going to be out the door. Middlestat ended up doing that. He, I think, undoubtedly proved that he deserves to at least get another shot this year to run it back and see how real it was. So, again, I, I'm overall, that was that was uh pretty solid. Our predictions, I would say we were, we were pretty close on most of them. I'm really curious about our NHL predictions because me too. Yeah. I, I'm looking forward to that. We should do that for Thursday. Revisit those. Yeah. I think what I'm going to do for Thursday is those and our predictions with Anthony of expected Buffalo. Uh, but before that we did another prediction thing. It was actually my predictions for the Atlantic division via movie quotes oh my god so that's both a vibe thing and a placement thing i forgot about that okay how how was that one okay not terrible on the placement one thing was way so far off it was ridiculous i had boston fourth which they were the year before but yeah they obviously were first by a mile okay uh so it was a little bit off i had it as toronto florida tampa boston detroit buffalo ottawa montreal the actual placement, I believe, was Boston, Toronto, Tampa, Florida, Buffalo, Ottawa, Detroit, Montreal. So some of those were still okay. Right. Okay. And the vibes thing, I think some of them are still pretty good. Yeah. Maybe you'll agree. So the quote for Montreal was a Scott Pilgrim quote. Maybe next time, don't date the girl with 11 evil ex-girlfriends. And Scott says seven. And his sister says, well, that's not that bad. And the whole thing was like things in Montreal aren't good, but like they're slightly less bad than they seemed a few months before. I think that's mostly right. Yeah, right? I like think they, that's fair. They have a path forward. That's something. Yep. The young guys, they got Jurash Slavkovsky and Cole Caulfield and Suzuki and uh, probably some other guys. I assume. Oh yeah. Who did they just draft in the top ten? They took um, Dave. Hell yeah, Dave. All right. Ryan Bacher. No, that was a Carey Price joke because he Oh, sorry. I forgot about that. <laughs> he couldn't read the name. Yeah. Well, he couldn't remember yeah. the name. But yeah, Dave Ryan Bacher they took. Yeah. No, so good piece, good blue line piece for them for sure. I mean, that's they have some talent up oh front, but God. they were definitely lacking a little bit on the on the back end there. So Yeah. Ottawa. I think I was this is the most it's right there with the most right on. Uh, from Ladybird. After we finished, I decided I think I like dry humping better. <laughs> Hell yeah, right on, folks. That's basically about how it's fun to be in the early stages of a rebuild, but then when you're supposed to take a step, things get hard, and you're like, "Oh man, I liked it better <laughs> earlier." <laughs> so it's not unlike you know the pressure of losing your virginity, I guess, in a coming of age teen story like Ladybird. Shout out Greta Gerwig, big week for her. Yes. Uh, I had Buffalo sixth, which was wrong. We were fifth, almost fourth. Pretty good. 
uh, it is the Hail Caesar quote, which is, it, I, I can't get the whole quote in, but the just the, it is the end where he says, you do your job because the picture has worth. And if you have, you have worth if you serve the picture, which is about something we actually just talked about like 10 minutes ago. The entire organization as a whole, every piece of it being one cohesive unit working together and everyone doing their jobs. Mm -hmm. Everyone from, you know, on the ice, your top center to the guy in the press box to everyone, everyone. You're a genius. I know. Wow. I think I'm pretty good about those ones. Uh, Detroit ended up being kind of wrong about them. I mean, I had him fifth, so I don't think I had him as a playoff team. Okay. Pretty much in that range, but I think it was more like what they think, which or what they thought, which was the line from Casino: "You got to have the hole dug before you drive out there. Otherwise, you'd be out there all night digging a hole. Someone might come up, then you have to dig more holes." Uh, which is basically saying that Detroit like thought they had their guys while they were ready to start competing. So they just signed a million guys last off season and yep. kind of this one too. They just make a ton of moves every year now. Um, so yeah, they thought that they obviously did not because they were pretty much in the same spot as the mm -hmm. year prior, kind of stuck in the mud. Uh, Boston. I was just off by a year. <laughs> I forgot about the thing where last year we, everyone was like, Oh no. In October, they probably won't have Pasternak, Taylor Hall, Grelzik, um, I think McAvoy and then all those guys came back earlier than they expected and they were immediately the best team in the league and I'm pretty sure they only lost like two regulation games at home so I'm sure they won the Stanley Cup I forgot what happened in the spring but 65 wins unbelievable Vesna trophy winning goalie Selkie trophy winning first line center a Norris fourth place guy I could be mistaken about that yeah. two top 10 Norris guys and, uh, of course, Coach of the Year. And so I'm sure they won the Cup. Yeah. Pretty close to it, at least. Uh, so that was – what I said about them was the No Country for Old Men line. You can't stop what's coming. It ain't all waiting on you. That's vanity. Maybe that's this summer because this summer they shed some guys. They don't know if Bergeron's coming back. It's a weirder vibe there. Mm. They had to dump Taylor Hall. They didn't re-sign any of the guys they got at the deadline. So maybe now, maybe now they can't stop what's coming. Uh, the Tampa one was basically a joke, but I'm going to stand by it. I said, sure. basically, it's the Ngoon, the coach yelling at the team and saying, like, you're going to skate your fucking asses off or whatever. This is not fucking baseball. And it was basically about how the Lightning win championships. They have passionate fans, packed arenas, and... They have a you know cool little area they play in and a culture that they've built around the team. And they're really not like the baseball team in their area because of that. Mm -hmm. So That's we love that. We love it. Uh, maybe I won't be able to say that, though, by the time we do these predictions again. Maybe they're a baseball team. Uh-oh. Uh I'm not nervous. They're going to lose in the playoffs again. Anyway. Second place, I had Florida. Obviously, something of a disappointment this year. But I had the line from everything, everywhere, all at once. I said, I saw my life without you. It was beautiful. I wish you could have seen it. And it was about trading Huberto. And I'm going back and forth on whether I'm right about this. Wow. Because Huberto was not good at all this year. He had the biggest year-to-year -year point fall off of all time. Yeah. And Kachuk was incredible. 
probably should have been second in MVP voting and was incredible in the playoffs. If I mean, he should have won the Conn Smythe and all it. Honestly, he really should have. He was the best player in the playoffs. But they also got worse. Their life got worse, but they also went to the cup. Yeah. I don't know what to think. Like, they almost missed the playoffs. But you know what? I'm going to mark it down as I was right. Fair yeah. enough. You were very correct about it. Uh, Toronto, I had them winning the division. They actually finished second. And this isn't so much of a line as it's a, a monologue from Mulholland Drive, where it's the guy sitting in a diner talking to another guy. And he's telling him about a dream he has where he's always at this diner and the guy's standing over by the counter and he's so scared for some reason. It's kind of like night out. And the other guy sees the other guy and he's scared too. So now he's even more scared. And he realizes the reason he's so scared is there's a man behind the building with a terrible face. And he just realized it. And he just says, I hope I never see that face again. And then he goes outside in real life, rounds the corner and the man with the face is there and he sees it and he's so scared. He dies of a heart attack. That is a metaphor for Toronto in the playoffs, as I stated. Folks, we did it again. Can you believe it? <laughs> they won around this time, and then they got stomped by an eight seed in five games. We won fairly. Four. Barely qualifies as a prediction. <laughs> <laughs> again, uh, Nostra Nigrelli over here, my God. Yeah. You're just the he prediction won't... master right now. <laughs> Austin Matthews walked around the corner at the diner and he saw Sam Reinhardt's face and he just immediately died. <laughs> oh my God. Wow. Anyway, that's that all the predictions awesome. for now. We'll have more predictions uh, Thursday. Can't wait hey, can, for it. Can I tell you some news that just broke? That we have a new Wimbledon winner? Uh, No. Did Alcatraz or Alcaraz win? He did. Oh, good for him. Five sets beat Djokovic. Wow. Wait, what's the news? On. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins to the Titans. Fuck. Weird decision. Why would he go there? I don't know, man. That's what is not the a good money. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's that's bizarre to me because why play I thought he wanted Josh, to win. Yeah, why play with Josh Allen when you can have fucking Ryan Tannehill throw you the ball? Honestly, though, for our purposes, isn't this probably, as long as he wasn't going to sign here, isn't it good that he didn't go to a contender? I mean, yeah, like it definitely is. Wow. I was getting a little worried he was going to go to the Chiefs. Wow, man. I, I don't think the Titans are going to be good at all. No. I mean, they didn't make the playoffs last year. I know Tannehill got hurt, but God, he's just Tannehill, you know? Like, <laughs> and, and then, you know, they have Malik Willis there. He didn't look good when he was in. Josh Dobbs, my guy. Will Le- Levis, baby. They have Will Levis. No, I mean, they have too many guys. Oh, my God. What an atrocious choice by him. But, yeah, definitely good for the Bulls. I don't actually – does he know who's going to be throwing him the ball? Because I don't Probably know. Probably not. Yeah. Weird choice. Uh, good luck, I guess. Oh, my God. Wow. All right. I mean, I guess I go- I'm glad that's over. Yeah. He was honestly taking too long. Yeah. To take that long and to end up with the Titans – Ugh. How weird. Don't love it. Don't love it. Oh, well. All right, Taylor, do you have any other thoughts you'd like to share before we sign off for the day? Yeah, I recommend Top Gun Maverick because I watched it again last night. It's the first time I saw it since I saw it in theaters. I watched it at like 11 with a bunch of fellas, and I was – it was captivating. It's uh, it's unbelievable how good that movie is. It's, it's legitimately stunning. Even on a, a regular TV, which I would have thought it would have fallen off quality-wise because, you know, the action and all that. Man, unbelievable. 
Thank you for saving movies. You unbelievable weirdo. <laughs> you see the video with him and the popcorn? Movies and popcorn. <laughs> he does not eat popcorn. Does not eat popcorn. He might eat popcorn without any butter or salt, like that healthy pop popcorn. Just no way he eats. vomits it back up after the video. Yeah. His body just rejects it. Yeah, no, I mean, you don't look like that at 62 without, you know, a very specialized diet. But <laughs> strange guy, but uh, I haven't seen Mission Impossible yet. I probably will this week. Uh, I just, you know, we do have to thank him for saving movies. Thank you. Uh, big responsibility. Thank you, Tom. What would we do without you? All right, I'm going to do a song. I'm going to do uh, Glass, Concrete, and Stone by David Byrne. I was watching The Bear, and that was in it, and it reminded me of that song. I only think I heard it a couple times prior because I was like, I feel like it was one of those where you like hear a song, and you're like, I know like the voice. I know I knew it was David Byrne. I couldn't tell if it was a solo song of his or, or Talking Heads, and I, I just couldn't put my finger on what the song was, and so I ended up shazamming it or whatever, and... Uh, yeah, I ended up coming across it. Really beautiful song. Highly recommend. Great, great solo David Byrne song. So that is my recommendation for the day. Nice. Are you one of the people, since you're a music person, do you agree that the bear has like unbelievable soundtrack? Yes. It's very, very good. It's wild. Yeah. Very well placed as well. Uh anyway. It adds so it? much to the show and like the emotion. Oh, yeah. So it's it's they they do a really, really great job with that. Yeah. As a certified T Swift hater, uh it was a great scene. That was a good scene. They used that well. Yeah, very, very well done. All right. Well, everybody, this is it for another episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out both the presenters of this podcast on their respective websites. Whatever streaming platform you're currently using to listen to this episode, make sure you're checking out all, all of our fellow shows. And make sure you're following both the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo on social media. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, where you can also find us, Straight Up Sabres. And wherever you are currently listening to this episode, before you close out of the app, make sure you are subscribed and or following Straight Up Sabres. And we would very, very much appreciate it if you'd leave us a rating or a view on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever you use. We would very, very much appreciate it. Last but not least, we have our wonderful sponsors. Starting off with DraftKings Sportsbook. Make sure you're using that promo code THPN at checkout to take advantage of great deals. And additionally, we have Thin Man Brewery. Make sure you're heading over to Thin Man Chandler, stopping in for some food, some drinks, whatever it may be. Follow them on social media as well. Thin Man Brewery, love them. We'll be back with a brand new episode on Thursday, everybody. We hope you have a great start to your week. This has been Straight Up Savers. Savers.